Amen. Thank you, Brother Chris. I appreciate that. I appreciate the servants that are represented here in this room and uh, the, all, the, all that goes on for a Sunday. You know, you, just, you walk back there, the food's already made, and there's people cleaning up, and people's handing me bottles of water. And I just appreciate uh, Liberty Baptist Church. Of course, the care package we were greeted with. It's just a blessing to be here. We leave refreshed. And I appreciate that. That doesn't happen by itself. It happens intentionally. And we appreciate that. But here in Deuteronomy chapter number 20, I hope that you followed along uh, because really the entire chapter is the context. It is kind of similar to this morning's context in the fact that God is talking to his people and he's telling them, I'm about to do a great work through you, but don't be afraid of the enemies. And this morning's was the approach of, but I'm not going to do it all at once. I'm going to do it little by little. But tonight, as we begin to see, God's like, all right, who's ready to take these baby steps and go out and do something for God? But he warns them that it's going to be a battle. And he warns them that there's going to be some some bloodshed and that there's going to be some battles that they're actually going to have to be part of. But he's telling them, don't be fearful. I'm actually going to deliver you through this. You know, kind of like when you're out going soul winning, you know, there's a fear factor involved in soul winning, is there not? Standing at someone's door, knocking at their door. Uh, some of the hardest people to witness to are our own families. You know, you're sitting there and you can find a way to talk about anything in the world but the Lord. You can talk about, I mean, you can come up with ways to turn the conversation to any direction, but how fearful is it when you're trying to turn it over to, hey, can I ask you if you were dying today, are you 100% sure? There's a fear factor, but God says, hey, don't be fearful. I will deliver you. And anyone who stepped out to do something for God, whether it's witnessing or preaching or serving, you'll attest to the fact that God just somehow gives you that strength to get you through it. And you walk back thinking, wow, I don't know how I did that, but God brought me through it. And so that's what's happening here in Deuteronomy chapter 20 as he's giving them the orders. But let's begin in verse number one. The Bible says, when thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when ye are come nigh into the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people and shall say unto them, hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts uh, faint, fear not, and be not, uh, do not tremble. Neither be terrified because of them. Here's the thought. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight uh, for you against your enemies to save you. So he's encouraging them and he's telling them, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid. There are going to be some things that are scary out there. There's going to be some battles where you're in the minority, but you just keep marching on. But the thought that kind of jumped off the pages as I kept reading. Verse number five, there's this uh, onward. I see a statement that God keeps telling the people over and over and over. And it's these three words. Let him go. Let him go. Did you notice that? Notice now verse number five. And the officers shall speak unto the people saying, what man is there that hath built a new house and hath not declared it? Let him go and return to his house lest he die in battle and another man dedicate it. And what man is he that hath planted a vineyard and hath not yet eaten of it? Let him also go and return into his house, lest he die in battle and another man eat of it. And what man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath not taken her? Let him go and return into his house, lest he die in the battle and another man take her. And the officers shall speak further unto the people. And they shall say, what man is there that is fearful and faint hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint 
as well as his heart. So we see, uh, we see this statement as God is getting ready to do a great work. Remember now, he's, he's, he's said it before him. We saw this morning, little by little. But now he's like, all right, here we go. Who's in? And everybody's like, I'm in. All right. Well, let's see now. Let's make sure everybody's in. It's going to be hard. There's going to be some battles. Here we go. Anybody want a way out? Just let them go. And you'll see some of the excuses like, well, I'm married or this or that. I have this to do. He's like, just let them go. Because you have to understand, God is going to get the victory with or without you. You understand, there's going to be preachers of righteousness when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, but it doesn't guarantee that it will be Liberty Baptist Church. Liberty Baptist Church wants to go liberal. Let them go liberal. God will raise up someone else. See, once we understand how ministry works, we understand we need to be on God's team. God doesn't need us on his team. And so when it comes to doing a great work, and as a pastor, Pastor McMurtry, through the years, how many years have you been pastoring here? Almost 11 years. You've seen a lot of people come, and you've seen a lot of people go. And you know what God just says? Just let them go. Because God's just going to keep going and keep working and keep working and keep working with or without you. But what a great advancement it is when there's a lot of people willing to go. But in the context here, we see this statement over and over. Just, just let them go. Let them, if, even to the point, if you're just fearful, you don't even have an excuse. You just think, eh, I'm a little scared. Just stay home. Don't go. And it kind of reminds me of Gideon and his 300 men and what God did through them. They came back rejoicing, all 300 But none of them really had to do anything. They just blew the trumpet, broke the pitcher. God delivered. God could have done it with 300. He could have done it with 3,000. It didn't matter how many. Who was fearful and afraid? Just let them go. And God said, those that remain are the ones that God will use. I want to speak to you before you fall asleep this evening, because this is one of the hardest sermons to preach. you, You know, it's a long day. Now, we have broken routines, so it's going to be a little harder, too. So you might have bragging rights that you've listened to four sermons Maybe wait, let me state that. You've been in four services, but maybe you haven't listened to all four sermons, all right? So if somebody wants to go to sleep, let them go to sleep, amen. But uh, I want to bring a message, you're excused. You're excused. If you're looking for an excuse not to serve God, God just says, you're excused. Well, show me in the Bible where you have to go to church on Sunday night. You don't, you're excused. Well, where does it say I have to go soul winning every week? It doesn't, you're excused. God's looking for someone who's willing to go above and beyond and say, you know what, put me in, coach, use me, I want to be used of you. If you're looking for an excuse, you'll find one. God says, just go. Just go, just go ahead and go. God says, you are excused. I want to, before we bring the message, I want to just kind of lay a foundation in this text. And I see three things in here uh, that we see. Number one, I see a call where God puts out the call. Hey, we're going to do a great work. Then I see a choice. Who wants to be part of it? But then I see a consequence. Those that were part of it were extremely blessed. Those that stepped out and went home and excused themselves and they said, well, hey, I got permission to stay home. Yeah, you did, but you missed out, buddy. There's a consequence to those choices. Look at the call there in verse number one. He says, when thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and people more than thou, here's the call. Be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So God's like, hey, I don't care what the battle is. I'm going to deliver you. Just go forward. Just march on. Jump down to verse number three. And shall say unto them, hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. 
Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Now, think about the spiritual, the physical battles we can apply spiritually. We have a spiritual battle. Going to church is a spiritual battle. Amen. Saying amen in church is a spiritual battle. Staying awake in church is a spiritual battle, right? Soul winning is a spiritual battle. And you know what Jesus said when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel? He said, and lo, I am with you always. So the Bible says, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God's not asking you to do something that he's going to sit back and grade you. He's asking you to do something that he's actually going to do it through you. He just needs you to go. He just needs you to be a willing vessel. And if you're looking for an excuse, you'll find one and you'll actually get a signed permission slip to skip out by the Lord himself. You are excused. Stay home, buddy. Well, you know what? I just feel like I have peace in my heart that God doesn't want me. Well, that's okay. Stay home. You're missing out. See, there's a call and the call God says, I'm going to call you, but I'll also do it. Moses had to learn that when God asked him to do something he was uncomfortable with, standing before Pharaoh, and, and Moses like, I'm not a man of words. And God says, I know. I'll give you the words. See, there's a call, but then, secondly, there's a choice. You know, I, I believe the world needs to hear the gospel. I believe there's a great need. And you know, the Bible says the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. And you know, the call is for every one of us to be part of that vineyard to be part of that harvest, to be out there reaching the lost, preaching the gospel, supporting the church. Maybe you can't physically go out and knock doors, but you can help be part of, 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 of Liberty Baptist Church and send out those soul winners and knock those doors and be a witness. Everybody can have a part, but if you're looking for an excuse, you can easily find it. There's a choice. Notice the choice as he begins to go say over and over, just let him go. Just let him go. And that's a hard thing to do as a pastor. Let someone go. It's hard to do because, you know, you want to just, you just want to wring their neck and like, oh, what are you doing? You want to, you know, you just want to shake them like, this is the worst decision you can make. But you know what God says? Let them go. Let them go. God's going to keep doing a great work with or without you. My fear is that God lets me go and the work continues and I miss out on what God's doing. I've been ministering, I was talking to Pastor, Senior Pastor McMurtry, uh, many years in, in ministry there, and st- started pastoring at 18 years old. I mean, what a what a testimony that that is. Talk about serving the Lord with the maximum amount of your lifetime, serving God. What a blessing that that is. You know, I want to be able to one day look back and say that. I want to be able to say that I was faithful. And you know, in the ministry, I've seen a lot of people come, and I've seen a lot of people go, and I've seen a lot of people come, and I've seen a lot of people go. And sometimes when someone is on the out. It's discouraging. You know, when the church is growing, of course, who doesn't want to be part of it? But when people are leaving, even as a church, it's hard to let someone go. And I don't mean they're, they're, they're going off to serve God. I mean they're going off to sit by the wayside because they're tired of serving God. Because they found an excuse that they feel God has justified their absence in the ministry. And it's hard to just let them go. But don't forget, church, God's going to do it with or without them. God said there's nothing. I mean, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So God can do a great work through Liberty Baptist Church, whether there's three families or 30 families. You just let them go. Just let them go and just say, you know what, God's... Can you imagine being part of Gideon's army when you start off with the you know, 20, 30,000 people and they're all leaving and then the call goes out if you're fearful or afraid and then just like everybody seemingly gets up and leaves 
and you're one of 300 people. 300 people is not many compared to how many left. Can you imagine? You know what God says? Just let them go. The battle was one no more difficult than if they had, when they only had 300 than if they had had all the soldiers stay behind and fight the battle. You just let them go. And we need, to, we need to understand, we see that call, we see a choice, that the choice is completely ours, but then there's a consequence. Look at verse number 10. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse number 10. The Bible says, When thou comest nigh unto a city to fight against it, then proclaim peace unto it, and it shall be, if it make the answer of peace and open unto thee, then it shall be that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee, and they shall serve thee. And if it will make, uh, will make no peace with thee, but will make war against thee, then thou shalt besiege it. And when the Lord thy God hath delivered into the, thine hands, thou shalt smite every male thereof with the edge of the sword. But the women and the little ones and the cattle and all that is in the city, even all the little ones and the cattle and all that is in the city, even all the spoil thereof, shalt thou take unto thyself, and thou shalt eat the spoil of thine enemies, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. Thus shalt thou do unto all the cities which be very far from off, uh, off from thee, which are not of these cities uh, of the cities of these nations. So here he's giving the orders. All right, here's what you're going to do. Anybody want to go? Let them go. Anybody want to stay? Let's go do a battle. And when you get in there and you're starting to gather, all, he says you can start taking some of the, the spoils for yourself. You can start having some of the victories, and you can come back rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with you, and everybody else is looking like, where'd you get it? Well, hey, I stayed. I was faithful. Yeah, but I got an excuse, a, a leave of absence signed by the director himself. That's okay. You, there's a consequence when you don't stay, when you don't heed the call. Let me give an example of that when it comes to salvation. How many of you understand we're not Calvinists here? There's five points of Calvinism. We don't believe either any of those five points. We're zero-point Calvinists. Okay, that's, 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 where we, that's where we stand on that. In fact, we don't even let tulips in Revival Baptist Church. The, no, I'm just... But we, we don't believe in Calvinism. Why? Because we believe that there's a call that is for the entire world to be saved. We believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He died for, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. See, the call goes to all, but not all receive, do they? See, when we're knocking on a door, we're, we're, we're pleading with them earnestly, pleading with them gently. We're trying to get them to hear that call that God says, come and drink of the water of life freely. Just come. But they don't all come, do they? There's a consequence. See, you reject the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't because you were not called. And you can find every excuse in the book. This week at camp, I had an opportunity to... I, of course, we were in Romania for eight years as missionaries. And I speak the Romanian language. And I was the first morning. I, I went to bed early that night. Well, early, but early comparatively to the cabin. You know, we're staying in the what looks like barracks, like bunk beds three high with just little foam pieces of board, of, of mattress. And there's all, I don't know how many beds are in the, in the room, but just all the guy cabin and all the other side of the lake, all the girl cabins. And I'm sitting there in between. There's, there's a, my son above me, my son below me. I'm in the middle and all strangers. You know, I don't know who it was, but I went, I, I went in and went to bed while they're still playing games. And I wake up that next morning. And when I'm asleep, I'm asleep. I don't hear anything. I'm gone. And so I wake up the next morning, and I'm like, "Where? all the beds are full. I didn't even see them or hear them come in. And I walk outside, and there was a picnic table kind of out there. And, and the cabins were far. You'll see when you get there, they were far from where the, uh, uh, the uh, cafeteria was. And so most people would drive. It was a long walk. And there was an older man sitting there. 
And uh, he was sitting there, and I, he, did, he looked out of place. You know, we're at a camp, and we're sleeping on foam pieces of, of whatever it is. And we're, it's like, where did, and he's sitting out there, and it was early morning. It was like 6 o'clock or something. It was kind of early. I don't remember the hour. But I, I remember going over and talking to him, and I didn't understand what he was saying. I said, sir, did, did you sleep here tonight? Making sure he wasn't a homeless guy that kind of wandered in. I'm like, did you sleep in that cabin? He's like, ah, and he said a few words. I couldn't understand him. And then I started asking questions. Did you need help? You need a ride to the cafeteria? You know, what's going on? Do you have family here? And about every third word I heard sounded like a Romanian word. And I'm like, do you speak Romanian, sir? And he lit up. Ah! He's Romanian, speaks almost no English, and he's sitting there. He dormed in the same cabin that I dormed in. I'm talking to him in Romania. Hey, how are you? I was in eight, eight years. Where are you from? Oh, and we're and he's like, what in the world? Romanian's not like Spanish or I mean, it's a it's a very strange foreign language. I mean, there's very few people speak Romanian language. So I'm witnessing or talking to him, and I come to find out he's not saved. His wife just died a few weeks ago, and his family had taken him in, and they didn't know what to do with him, so they brought him along to camp. They they had to kind of watch out for him and. So I'm talking to him, and his son, I think by then Pastor McMurphy came along, and uh, his, the, this guy's son-in-law shows up. He's like, oh, you, he, he speaks Romanian. I'm like, so do I. He's like, oh. And they're like connecting the dots all over again. Long story short, you know, I tell the son, I said, I don't think he's saved. He's like, oh, no, he's not saved. He's not saved. He's staying with us out of protest. His wife died. And so I gave him a ride, and I, I just kind of befriended this man. And all day long, I'd walk over and sit down with him. And I said, before this week's over, I want to show you from the Bible how you can have eternal life. And this, if you have to know Romanians, the Romanian culture is very brunt, you know, just frank, rude. I'm and I said, no, sir, I, I, whether you like it or not, I'm going to witness to you this week. That's all. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a little time to think about it, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to witness to you. That's basically what I told so I went away, just, and I came back. I said, all right, just as I promised, I'm going to start witnessing to you, so listen up. And all right, all right. There's nobody else to talk to. It's me and him. There's nobody else that speaks that language. There's nothing else he can do. He's just sitting there, not understanding a thing. And I sit there, and I show him the Bible, and I'm showing And, you know, he's starting to slowly come into the conversation. And I get to the point where all sinners, you know, we fall short of the glory, we come short of the glory of God. There's no way we're going to be good enough to go to heaven. The wages of sin is death. I get to the gift of God as eternal life. And I asked him, I said, sir, do you see that you're a sinner? No. No. I said, have you ever lied? No. Wow. Maybe my Romanian is bad. Like. So I began to pry a little bit, and he would not admit any shortcomings or sin or fault. So I looked at him. I said, sir, you're telling me you're not a sinner. God's telling me you are a sinner. I'm going to believe God. You're telling me you've never lied. God says all men are liars. I'm going to believe God. I said, you need to come to grips that you are a sinner and that you are not going to be good enough to go to heaven. I said, I'm going to let you think about that, and I'm going to come back and show you how you can go to heaven. Did that, I come back, and he's, we're going to talk about it a little longer. I mean, what's he going to do? He can't even, he can't, he's on a cane, he can't even run away from me. Like, so, what are you going to do? I remember sitting there, getting all the way to the gift, getting all the way to the end, and he was just as hard-nosed as he could, he did not want to hear it, he did not want to receive it, and he said this, I said, I said, sir, can you not see the hand of God 
Here you are. You don't know anybody in this cabin. I don't know anybody in this camp. I'm just here, and I'm sleeping in the same building as you are. I, before I even knew you were remaining, I was drawn over to a conversation with you to find out who you were and if you were saved. And here you are speaking the Romanian language. Don't you see God is trying to call you? This is what he said. I'll never forget. That I don't care if God sent a million people like you. I'm not listening. There's a consequence. See, there's a call, but there's a choice. And sometimes as soul winners, you walk away feeling like a failure because they didn't choose the right choice. God says, just let them go. Just let it, it's not, you can't force anyone. I don't, and, and, and let me tell you, I try, and I'll be trying again tonight. I'm going to see him again. I told him. I said, when I see you tonight, I'm coming over and I'm going to try one more time because I don't believe it was by accident God put me in your life. But there's a choice. And you know, the same choice they have, you have whether you serve God or not. The same choice and you can see like, oh, they're making the wrong choice. Hey, how about you, Christian? Well, I don't have to serve God. You're right, you don't have to, but there's consequences. There's consequences when you don't serve God. Yes, you can choose whatever you want, but there's a consequence. If you understand, there's a call for servants. The laborers are few. There's a call for someone to be a soul winner. There's a call for someone to jump into the ministry. There's a call for someone to serve God. But if it's not you, God says, let them go. It's not because there's not a need. Oh, there's a need. But you are going to suffer the choice of that consequence. There's a consequence. Boy, we see all through the Bible. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. Let me give you a couple examples. Luke chapter number 10. Look at verse number 1. You go to camp. I know there's probably going to be seven, 800 people, but you'll see the Romanian guy. If you see him, you'll know who I'm talking about. Old guy, he looks Romanian. Now, if I come back with a knot on my head, he does have a cane. <laughs> so who knows what happens. Luke chapter number 10, look at verse number 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face unto every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53. The Bible's not, it's not that there's not a need. It's not that we don't, the ministry doesn't need you. It's not that there's souls out there that will die and go to hell because you didn't be a witness. You were not a witness. You did not serve God. You did not sell out. No, there's a need. But you do have a choice whether you fulfill that need or not. And it always bothers me when there's a Christian that has to, they have to have 15 Bible verses to prove exactly. If it doesn't say this exact statement, I'm not doing it. Versus the Christian who's like, Pastor, whatever you can do, whatever I can do in the ministry, I want to serve. I want to just put me in. I don't care what it is, big or small. I want to do it. Those are the ones God ends up using, isn't it? That's how God works. Look at Isaiah 53, verse number 5. Anybody know who we're reading about here? The Lord Jesus Christ. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. With His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shearer, her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. 
Here's the thought. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Describing the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says he was cut out of the land of the living. Died in his prime. Still youth. A young man. God in the flesh. Cut out. Taken away. And the question is, who's going to pick up the baton? Who will declare to their generation? Who's going to preach the gospel? Now that he said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Hey, I'm going to be removed. Then he says, ye are the light of the world. He doesn't say, you should be the light of the world. You are the light of the world and you can choose to hide it or you can choose to let it shine. But there's a consequence. There's a consequence when we choose to live a selfish, self-centered life instead of serving God in the ministry. One of the hardest things is, you know, people all the time, as a pastor, they'll say, hey, preacher, I won't be there tonight, and they'll give you some excuse. And I will just say, it's okay. That's all right. Okay, no problem. They, they, they have all kinds of ways of excuse. And I'm not saying there's sometimes occasions. But what I am saying is they're wanting the pastor, to reinforce the decision that they've made. But here's what we're saying. You don't have to be at any of the services. You could be excused from every single one of them, but there's a consequence. There's a consequence. And so if you can get someone to endorse it and say, well, he said it was okay. Well, here's how it works. You put in a time off request for the Lord and he'll sign every single one of them. Excused, 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 excused. I married a wife. Excused. You remember the, 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 the story? He's like, I married a wife, therefore I cannot come. Excused. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. But there's a consequence. There's a consequence that we see when it comes to salvation. The call is given to all, but only those who receive it are the ones who get saved. As workers, there is a genuine need here in Illinois for a soul winning church. Don't, don't let the devil tell you that this team of soul winners is insignificant or tiny or not making a big difference. I'm telling you, it's churches like this that's doing the work of God. We don't have the camera or the spotlight. We're not making news. But I tell you, this is, what's God, this is the work of God. It's a big deal. And you don't have to be part of it, but there's a choice and a consequence. And so that consequence comes... When the battle's all won and we're coming back, bringing the spoils with us, and you're like, man, I wish I had that. Should have come. Should have been part of it. Oh, I wish God would bless me like he does it. Yeah, because they're faithful in season, out of season, little step, little step, little step, and they come back. There's consequences. Think of it this way. You're working a job, and maybe you're not paid by the hour. Maybe you're paid by commission. Either one would work. And you're at a car lot and you're like, hey, boss, I need Monday off. It's the 4th of July. You're off. Man, I need Tuesday off. I'm recovering from the 4th of July. You're off. I need Wednesday because I got church. And you're off. But come payday, what are you going to have? Everybody else who was in, you know, the one that's just clocking in and clocking out, you know, all those paychecks add up. As we saw this morning, that wealth gotten by labor, just those weekly paychecks, and you're putting a little back, 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 and it's like, wow, where'd that come from? Hey, little by little. But you want an excuse? You can get off. You can get off, and then come pay to you. Like, man, this job doesn't pay me nothing. You didn't show up. Everybody understand, there's a payday coming in heaven. And God just says this, take heed how you build thereupon. Well, I don't want to build with gold. Well, then build with wood. It's easier, it's cheaper. 
You can build a much bigger structure with little effort. But there's a payday. There's a payday. You don't have to, your life doesn't have to be gold, silver, and precious stones. It can be whatever you want to build it out of. But there's a payday coming. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 14. I know even on this, on this earth there's a payday that I'm thankful for. I remember as a young 20, I got married in my 20s just shortly after I turned 21. I remember my wife and I, we both living at home, at our parents' homes. We moved in together and we were starting our family and it was just like, it was just picture, textbook marriage. It was, it was beautiful. And I remember looking at my wife. We don't want a TV in the home. We, don't want, we were setting some directions in this. We like, we're going to be faithful this and do this and that. And we set the trajectory. But, you know, at that time, we don't think back like seven kids, my oldest 19, my youngest 10, you know, 18 years of ministry. We don't look at that. You're just like, this is what we want to do, and it's sweet, and it's special. But, you know, I'm looking back, and I'm reaping some dividends from some investments that we made as 20-year-old. And I'm thankful. Now, obviously, there's always regret, but I'm telling you, those things that I gave to the Lord, those decisions that we made as a family, we're, and we're just reaping those. And I'm looking forward to reaping them even further. But that's just in this life. Imagine when we get before the Lord and the actual payday comes. Those consequences are in our favor. When God looks and says, you didn't have to, but well done, thou good and faithful servant. You went above and beyond. Now, think about this. Heaven is not a, particip- a participation trophy. When you read about rewards in heaven, the rewards in heaven are not everyone gets an equal award. That's, that's kind of dumb. Like, everybody turn to your neighbor and applaud for each other. Right? You know, you know it, it's Daniel's birthday, so everybody stand up and say something nice about everybody. Like, no, it's not their birthday, right? It's like they're the one being recognized. When God is giving you a crown, when God is giving you a reward, the Bible says, then shall every man have praise of God. Every other praise in the Bible, we're praising God. Well, at the, at the great, at the, I'm sorry, at the judgment seat of Christ, God is praising man. And saying, my servant right here, Stephen, you stand up. So this is my servant. All of heaven's watching. And God is praising him. He didn't have to. But he did it for me. All of heaven. Can you imagine? When God is... God doesn't do that for everybody. God does it for those who choose to serve Him even though they don't have to. God says, if you're fearful, go home. You don't want to be here? Go home. But you have to be here. (laughs) When you're 18. Oh, wait, He is 18. God is telling us, there's a call. Don't, Don't get me wrong. There's a call. But there's a choice. What are you going to choose? And one day, when you see, I think of that song, face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold Him, Jesus Christ who died for me, I'm going to wish I did more. There's a consequence for the choice that we make. But there's a choice. There's a choice. Are you there in Luke 14? Look at verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make what? Excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. 
I pay thee, pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So that the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. See, he said, I need workers, but if you won't do it, I'll find someone. That's why... Sometimes, you know, there's people out there that are way more qualified to preach than I am as far as being able to deliver a message or as Pastor McMurtry. We're, we're, I don't think we're known for this great preaching ability and skill. And everybody's like, wow, we knew it when he was a baby and he was learning the alphabet. We could just tell, man, he's a pastor. <laughs> no, there was nothing really notable about us other than our hand was up. I'll do it. I'll do it. And you know, there's a lot of qualified people who criticize our abilities or our shortcomings. Well, I can't, I mean, they're not, who do they think they are? Hey, God put us behind the pulpit. And oftentimes he overlooks the ones who actually could maybe do a better job than us because they didn't want to. And God looked at the halt and the lime and the, blame, the, the lame and said, I'll use you. And God takes someone and does a great work through them just because they said, I'll do it. I want to be, I mean, not many noble are called. Not many wise after this world are called. God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So before you sit there and think you're this great gift to Liberty Baptist Church and you're this great gift to the kingdom of God and you're just waiting for the right opportunity. You know, this is too small of a church for me to really give my, my gift to these people. I'm waiting for a bigger opportunity. You know what? Keep waiting. Sit down. You have an excuse. God's looking for someone to do a great work. Isn't it interesting as God begins to bless Liberty Baptist Church? And I know that you've got God's going to do something. He's not done. You've got a great work. It's a great, well-oiled machine going on here. And as God begins to do more things and more things, those that, you know, they were too big or too important to do anything for the Lord now, they're going to, sh- they're going to show back up then. But God's already got their positions filled with someone who can't do half as good of a job as they can do, but their hand was up. You know, I pray that our hand's up tonight. And if you say, well, I can't put my hand up because God says, you are excused. You are excused. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. While you're turning there, the Bible tells us, he that soweth sparingly is breaking God's law. No. Shall reap also sparingly. That's the punishment. Well, he doesn't do much. Well, he doesn't have to. Well, what's his punishment? He won't get much. Isn't that funny? How much do I have to? You don't have to do any of it. Yeah, but he's, I mean, how many Christians are out there like, but they don't come on Wednesday night. They don't. And you're like, what are you telling? Are we tattletaling on people? Like, they don't have to, but they won't reap from it either. Because if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. I mean, think about it from that perspective. You have a choice. First Corinthians chapter four, look at verse three. Paul says this, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or another of, of man's judgment. That's what I think of YouTube, by the way. You know, like did you hear what so-and-so said about you on YouTube. It's a very small thing that I'm judged of you because honestly, and I mean this, honestly, I'm more worried about what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. 
And, you know, they have people will execute their opinions of Pastor Boyle or Pastor McMurtry, Revival Baptist Church or Liberty Baptist Church. And they'll sit there in their self-piety like, oh, man, we know we're so much better. Yet at the end of the day, God's going to do something through this work and I want to be part of it. I mean, they have a choice. We have a choice. I want to choose to be on God's team. Now, he says this very small thing. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord, therefore judge nothing before the time. Don't worry about how much everybody else is doing. Don't worry about it. God said, don't judge it before the time. He says, until the Lord come, who will bring, who will both bring to, will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise. God says, that's what you need to be worried about is when I'm going to be examining your life and I'll be giving you praise accordingly. Can you imagine when you're standing before the Lord and that test of fire is put to your life? God's about to, he's willing to heap praise on you, but there's nothing left. You know, permission slips to be excused are made out of paper and they'll burn. Sacrifices to continue on is made out of gold and it'll remain. You want an excuse? You're excused. Preacher, I won't be there next week. You're excused. I can't make it. You're excused. But, but you're excused. You don't have to. But those that say, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to be faithful to God. Those are the ones that come back with Gideon's army and say, man, you should have seen their faces and all you're doing is hearing about it. Man, did you? They're the ones come back with the spoil, saying, "Look what I got, man! I, 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 God delivered the house, and right there was all this stuff, man. And God said, I can take it back with me. Look at this. Wish I had that. I'd serve God if I had what He had. That's not how it worked, is it? You had the same choice. You chose wrong, and now you have the consequence. What's the choice? The choice. If you're not saved, you better get saved. What's the choice? Will you serve God? God's looking for someone to sell out. Not half in, half out. You know, what, what a blessing it would be. Now I know you kind of got tricked into a Sunday night service this evening because we fed you and then we didn't. You kind of feel weird going home maybe. You know, like, oh, i got to stay. But what would happen if you were like, I'm going to be an every service Christian? You know, before I was a pastor or even thought I would be a pastor, I remember I was 15 and a half years old and I went to this meat market and I went in and I said, I need a job, but I need Wednesday nights off. I even needed Saturdays off because I went soul winning. I need Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday off. They said, you're not going to find a job. Everybody needs kit teenagers for weekends. I said, well, I will not work until I find a job that I can put first Christ. Well, you know, it's not like, cause, because I'm going to be a pastor one day. I had no idea. And I remember people said, you won't find a job. You will not. And God gave me a job. And it was interesting how it worked. They said, hey, we just hired a weekend staff. We only need weekdays. I said, oh, one question. I need Wednesday. Oh, absolutely. You'll be done in time to go to church on Wednesday night. Fifteen and a half years old. I remember as I began to go, I worked there four years, got another job at a furniture store. I said, hey, I want a job. They said, well, you know, we not on Sundays ever, never, ever. All right. This wasn't Pastor Boyle. This was 20-year-old Patrick Boyle. 
making a choice. I want to serve God with all my heart. And I was sitting there. I'd sit on as close to the front row as I could. I, would, I couldn't utter amen, as you heard this morning. But in my heart, I was screaming amen. I was taking out notes. I was soaking it up, everything. I had no idea what God wanted me to do. But I made the choice. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to sit there. I didn't have to. Preacher, you could have missed a Wednesday night. I know I could have. I didn't want to. Surprise, surprise. When it's time for a missionary, who does God pick? Be that Christian. Be that one that's just like, preacher, you can't get rid of me. It is amazing how the ones that works, the ones you want to keep leave and the ones you don't want to keep, well, here they are. <laughs> Make that choice. Be that Christian. Be the one that says, here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray you'd help us here. Lord, as we look at what it is that we can do as Christians and Every one of us can offer a different thing to the ministry. None of us are to be in competition with each other. And every single one of us has a choice whether we do it or not. God, I pray that you'd help us to look ahead to the, cho- the consequence and look ahead to the reward that awaits for those that self-sacrifice, to those that do things that maybe weren't asked of them, those that do go above and beyond and, and sell out for the ministry. Lord, I pray with that thought in mind, we could come before you, raise our hand and say, here am I, send me. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.